The Bazaar is an explicit radio program, listener discretion is advised. Welcome! Got something that might interest you. <laughs> Hello everybody and welcome back to the Bazaar, the internet's favorite horror chat show with me your host Richard, the fortnightly podcast giving you the very best from the pages to the screen and everywhere in between. Tonight's guest I have with me, Daniel Mark Young and we're talking about his hopefully upcoming film. Uh, I made a prediction uh, during the course of the interview two weeks ago about where the Kickstarter would be at and I was right on target so you need to head on over to the warehouse Kickstarter all the links will be in the show notes for that and pledge your allegiance for the werewolves team werewolves or team human we won't know also in other news we've now smashed 5,000 downloads so thanks to everyone for listening it's been another great milestone and I'm very happy with the progress as once again I'll ask you if you're loving it recommend to a friend leave a five-star review or leave a comment just reach out let me know I know you're listening just let me know you're listening but anyway I won't keep us any longer I want you to enjoy my chat with Daniel so sit back relax and enjoy the show Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. I have with me tonight Daniel Mark Young hailing all the way from England. It's just a stone's throw away. Daniel, welcome to the show. How are you? Uh, hi there, thanks for having me on. No, I'm good, thanks. Excellent. Well, Daniel, I asked this of everyone. People are probably sick of this question, but it's your first time hearing it. Can you give the audience a little bit of background about what you're all about? Yeah, no worries. Um, so I'm a director and producer, as well as an editor and a VFX artist for Viral Films UK. Uh, we're a company who, at the moment, we're sort of specialising in uh, short horror films, kind of low budget but high concept uh, work. And uh, currently we've got a film in sort of production, hopefully production, uh, called Warehouse, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. Super, excellent. And I do have a lot of writer-directors on, but you specifically said there you're a director-producer. Who is the writing half of that team there? Yes, a good friend of mine who I've known over half my life, uh, James Craigie. He's he's our sort of resident writer. Um, Like I said, we're sort of a a team, a small team of of people who just sort of, we've each got our, our role, but we all produce, so... It's, it's quite cool. It's like a close little family, really. Right. And why isn't he here tonight? <laughs> um, he's lazy. <laughs> he's a writer. Um, no, he, he, he does he does get involved in some of the promotional aspects of things, um, you know, but uh, yeah, he couldn't make it tonight. Sorry about that. Right. That's all right. It's, this is your show tonight, so you can steal the limelight. So you said you've known him for a very long time but when did the filmmaking start let's go back to the beginning what was the genesis for the whole debacle of directing oh okay well uh, i don't know how interesting the story is going to be but um yeah like i said i've known james for quite a long time Uh, i've known him since high school i've always been into films it's like it's been the sort of escape for me even from like a young age um and i i can't sort of remember the exact moment but like I've always been into horror films and it's always been like my thing so making movies is something I wanted to do for such a long time I mean as long as I can remember really but it's one of those things that always gets put on the back burner and then one day you wake up and you're 30 and you realize I haven't really pursued that um to the degree I wanted to um and that's kind of what happened there and uh prior to making films we were doing podcasts which you know um geez lots of podcasts now (laughs) yeah so uh we we were we were doing that for a bit and um yeah then we kind of uh yeah we, we just said this isn't really for us so 
let's do the film thing and let's let's see how that goes and that was probably about four years ago now that we we sort of said that's what we wanted to do um and then it took us about two years to actually get anything made so yeah right and what did you find the hardest part then of getting started i know you said you took a while until you did get started but what would have been the initial inertia to get over that you had to get things ready was it funding was it the writing what exactly did you find the hardest there yeah it was i mean to begin with it was the writing we had we had a lot of ideas for things we wanted to do we kept coming up with all these great amazing ideas and um our writer james we were working on a script called evil next door and it was just something that we couldn't get to a place where it was filmable for our first film basically uh it was it started off as a really small idea that grew and grew and grew we added so much to it that it became this this huge production that we'd never be able to pull off and when we said right well what do we do with it now you know we're not we don't want this to be our first film because we will mess it up it won't be what we wanted it to be so we needed to start off something a bit smaller so we kind of shelved it and then that's when we came up with run and yeah we we the idea behind that was that it was going to be really really basic story really simple premise quite a simple um you know idea and and it's something we could shoot fairly quickly and with with very little money and it wasn't this massive production um yeah right and I noticed there was a young woman in that. You don't really sound like a young woman. How did you go about casting in the initial <laughs> stages? Um, so for us casting, again, because it was our first toe dip into an actual production where we had to hire people, etc. We did, we did do a couple of shorts prior to that that weren't really sort of, um, that were just thrown together and we, we, we starred in them and stuff. It wasn't anything great. Um, but it was just, we wanted to do something that, we were proud of and that you know we could do fairly quickly fairly cheaply and so yeah our first toe dip into casting was interesting we put an ad out uh, i forget which website it was now you know descriptions of the characters etc who we wanted for it and um yeah it just it just kind of it kind of fell into place it was quite nice on that first one on run because we we you know we had no real casting experience and we were just lucky enough to get people we did really there was a little bit of interest in the film um it wasn't very well paid i don't even know if it was paid to be honest um sandwiches and, and pizza or something cups yeah, of tea. It was, <laughs> we, 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 yeah it was, it was all it was all it was all food and drink and stuff we supplied that obviously but like yeah um it wasn't it probably wasn't the most appealing job for any actor or actress um it was all night shoots and it was literally all night um it was quite a grueling thing really and i don't think even we were prepared for like how much that was gonna sort of hurt us <laughs> but um but yeah no we we cast an actress called mari beasley who is really really amazing yeah i mean it was it was a great experience working with her you know she was sort of she's one of those people that you know you just she throws herself into 110 percent, and you know she's always kind of you know up for whatever it is you know if you want to go off script and you know do something a bit different she's cool with that too and you know she's she was really good and you know no matter what we did to her she was she was fine with it so it was all good <laughs> great because i did watch it today as i mentioned before we started and there's a lot of like cool lighting going on there's a couple of cool effects like did it how many nights were you actually filming for did it actually take long considering it was a short film um so i mean the the, the basic premise of run is that uh, a teenage girl has been stalked by a supernatural presence um and so we we managed to sort of we, we did do like an indiegogo for it and the problem was that we were asking for something like five six hundred quid or something it wasn't a lot of money it was just to cover basic costs and bits of equipment and stuff that we needed um and in the end i think we actually made about 200 quid <laughs> out of it so we kind of had to like 
slim it down a little bit and then trying to find the rest of the money ourselves and, and get it done um but the actual shoot was was again it was quite interesting because there's kind of two sides to the story obviously you, you said you've seen it it's there's what's happening currently and there's a flashback sequence which we we jump back and uh to and from uh the flashback sequence we filmed uh in one evening and that was the first thing we shot um and then everything else was uh a long weekend so it was a, a friday a saturday and a sunday evening i say evening uh evening through to sort of the early hours of the morning so we went rapping until about four o'clock in the morning when the sun was coming up right and th- then in terms of like it, it was actually shot at night and there was a flashbacks and everything but where did you get the inspiration first day kind of had hints of it follows or something about it like that yeah um that was i guess one of the main inspirations for it it was something you know we wanted to do something similar to that in some in some regards um not so much rip it off but sort of pay homage to it a little bit and you know there's a whole bunch of other films that we just kind of were inspired by and we just kind of you know borrowed bits and pieces like you do you know um and yeah we just kind of we love the kind of it's quite a retro feeling well the whole point is that it looks fairly retro so we've got some of the sort of more 80s ish lighting but it's got kind of a grainy scratchy 70s grindhouse aesthetic as well um the, all, all things that we love so you know it's a mashup of a lot of different things um and whether or not some people think it works some people don't it's it's just one of those things but we're influenced by a lot of different things but um, I think we wanted to have that kind of relentless, you can't kind of escape this thing kind of vibe that, that you know, you get from a film like It Follows. Exactly. And then you were just mentioning that you barely made up the money. Was there more of an extensive script to it or was it kind of the vision that you wanted first day? Do you think, like, are you happy with the finished product for your first major release? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm happy with it. Do I think it could have been better? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think at one point we just threw the script away, <laughs> as bad as it is to say, because uh, uh, James, our writer, I've I've always told him not to sort of um, be too precious about what he writes, even though it's great stuff, not to be married to it, so to speak, and that you know there's always going to be things that change, and you know because again the, the budget may not be what we need or we you know we, we've, we've had to cut back a lot on, on run and on for her um but you know it, it, again when you go to shoot something you know you can plan and plan and plan and because we're not you know we are doing this we're very independent you know we're not a big studio we're not you know we don't have all these backup plans and so if something doesn't quite go to plan it's sometimes a case of you know we have to kind of figure something out on the fly which may change you know, this, not so much the story, but kind of the events that lead up to a certain part of the story. And so I think at one point we've run, we were just like, we need to get from A to B, you know, but we can't do the thing that needs that needs to happen. So we need to figure out some other stuff. So we did kind of, we did go off script a fair bit with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because I don't know how much you want to actually spoil it yourself being director because i do have a a couple of questions we might have to do it off air how how far do you want to talk about the movie i don't mind i mean uh both films running for her they're on amazon instant video if anyone wants to go watch them if they're that bothered about it um you know so if if i guess if you want to go into spoiler territory that's totally fine with me i don't mind um but obviously if they people don't want that sport for them it's probably best to stop that now and yeah, I suppose it. you can uh, stop the episode now and come back to it once you've watched these fantastic little flicks. But I do have a couple of questions with Run because yeah. obviously there's the supernatural element and it's chasing this girl. But then it's sort of, is is she controlling it? Is it part of her? Is she actually the killer? There was a few See, questions there. Is it left to be ambiguous? It is. I mean, we originally the ending as it was wasn't really wasn't there until i want to say sort of about three or four weeks before shooting um it's something we 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 did a we did another pass um at the script to 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 really beef up the story a little bit and i think it was something that either me or james came up with and said you know again it's this demon stalking her this 
whatever you want to call it, supernatural entity, whatever. Um, you know, I think the we wanted to leave it open to some interpretation, but I feel like the main one that we were going to go with was that, you know, she was possessed by this thing and, you know, that's we were kind of planning a sequel to it called Hyde. And that's the route we were going to go with for the sequel that, that she was possessed by this demon, but she also had some control over it, um, which we would have gone into more detail with, obviously, if we got to make that. But um, yeah, it, it's but we kept it kind of not so obvious. We don't I didn't really want to talk down to any viewers to sort of say, oh, this is exactly what's happening. We kind of liked the idea because since that the film came out, we've had lots of people messaging us saying, oh, I thought this is what the ending was, or I thought, you know, and they're all, we, people have different sort of interpretations of it. And I think that's quite good because obviously people view it in a completely different way. And there's no real right or wrong answer. We didn't really sort of set out to say, this is definitely what, you know, we were trying to say has happened, but because it has that sort of mildly ambiguous ending to it. Right. So that was um, done purposely, so to speak, then. That you wanted yeah. it to be a bit open-ended. A little bit. I mean, like I said, we planning the sequel that we were, were going to, I'm not sure if we are, but um, we were going to go with the kind of idea that it's, you know, this this entity, whatever you want to call it, has attached itself to her. And uh, she is herself most of the time, but it can, it can take over and, you know, make her do things she doesn't want to do, etc. So that was the way, that's the way forward we were going to go with it, but um, it, like I said, we've we've had a lot of different ideas about what really is going on. Is she just a bit of a nutcase, <laughs> or you know, is she imagine? You know, is she imagining everything is all in her head? Is you know, so we we didn't want to sort of spell everything out, you know, completely. And yeah, yeah, exactly. No, because it was definitely one part where it did show that it was supernatural when she was hit by the car and that aftermath. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that like that couldn't have been imagined really in this scenario, there had to be a, right. a supernatural element. So yeah. it was kind of going everywhere. But how was feedback generally then for your first movie? It obviously kept you going, and you've made a second film for her, and now you're funding for Warehouse W E R E. So yeah. it was obviously good feedback, kept you going then. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's. Because we, it was something we did, we just wanted to get something out there. I think because we'd spent two years working on a script that didn't, we couldn't shoot, that we just wanted to get something out. We felt like we'd spent two years, and it wasn't wasted because we were working on a script, but you know, it felt like we hadn't done anything, we haven't achieved anything yet. So um, we just kind of wanted to shoot it, get it out there and see what happened. And luckily, we, we had some positive feedback on it. We had people review it and uh you know the the reviews were reasonably positive you know because again i think looking at the kind of level we were at then and the the amount of money it cost and all that kind of stuff you know you know sure it's not a perfect short film there's the are things wrong with it you know there's lots of things i'd change if i could go back or if we had a bigger budget or you know better equipment or if we had more time but you know for what it is um you know, I think it, it got a bit of praise for it being a little bit something to it. You know, it was a bit, a little bit stylish, a little bit sort of, there's a little bit more going on than in the sort of general run of the mill sort of just sort of thrown together a short film. Mm. And have you thrown any of them into the festival circuit then? Is that something you've considered yet? Uh, yeah, Run did do a couple of festivals, uh, nothing too major. We did do a local one as well, which was pretty good. It was good to see it with an audience. Um, some of the more cheesier aspects of the of the short of the, the the relationship part of the flashback got some good laughs, so that's good. Um, and we did get a lot of people wincing at the car crash scene, which was great, uh, and all the stuff after that. So yeah, so yeah, it, it actually considering you know what it was um Ron actually yeah we, we've got some pretty good feedback on it excellent well I suppose then we can start talking about for her before we get on to the main event warehouse yeah. but yeah. uh for her then what was the inspiration for this story then so I think coming off of Ron we wanted to do something totally different I think we wanted to 
because we hadn't this was again our second film we didn't want to do just retread the same ground and just you know be the one trick pony or anything like that we wanted to make sure it was something very very different and so we thought it would be fun to do uh, an idea that's that you think is one thing but it's something completely different and um with for her it was quite funny because i think we were still we might have still been shooting run or we might have been in post-production run when james said he had this idea um and he explained it to me and it was the basic sort of with the twist of for her and i said oh that's, that's great that's really cool i like that idea well you know maybe we'll work on it at some point and obviously worrying about run and getting it finished and everything um but after it was done and dusted we kind of thought well what's our next project going to be and i kept thinking back to this conversation i had with him um about for her and it was it seemed like a really cool idea it seemed like something that was totally different to run and it made sense for it to be our next film so that's kind of how that got started but again for anyone that's not seen that um you know it's on it's on amazon instant video if anyone wants to, to watch it but it, we we like the idea of kind of setting a film up as a kind of romantic drama and then in the kind of the, the last act of it it twists into a horror film um so going into that it was that was kind of our goal that was our main goal to sort of not so much you know trick people but to kind of subvert what their expectations might be for the film right and then in terms of you've obviously made two horror films and you've said back in the day you had a love of horror but this being a sort of a horror orientated podcast what would have been these standouts growing up like why did you actually fixate on horror then especially for the filmmaking career as you've done two back to back and now a third in the works yeah i i don't know i think it's always something that we well, I mean, like I say, growing up watching a lot of horror films, they've always stuck with me. I like a lot of movies, and not, you know, but horror is kind of my main genre. Um, you know, it's something, it's something I'll always come back to, and you know, it's it's just something that's part of my childhood, and it's something I, I look back on fondly. And you know, I can remember the first time I ever watched Hellraiser, the first time I saw Pinhead, and how that made me feel, and you know, things like that, and. You know, uh, I think part of that is, you know, horror films these days don't evoke the same emotions. And it may be just me growing up and us as a as an audience growing up, maybe for sort of the younger generation of like, you know, uh, film fans and stuff and horror fans, it, they do get that same vicarious thrill or whatever. But um, I feel like horror films have lost a certain something. Uh, I'm not saying that we're the answer to that or anything, but um you know it's just been a bit of an obsession since i was young and so yeah i think it just it was a natural thing of well if we're going to make movies we you know let's make horror films mm. and then i suppose to go off on a tangent on that obviously whatever you say to me is preaching to the choir but just <laughs> just in your own words why do you think such things in the 80s like hellraiser you know people would go on about the thing halloween etc yeah why do you think that they sort of stand the test of time. Why do you think they've captured a generation? I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's just something there's something to fall in love with. It sounds a weird thing to say, but um, you know, you look at the cinematography of the films you just mentioned. You look at you know everything, the way they shot, the you know the acting, everything. It's it's of its time the practical effects you know that's a big thing because in our days you know everything's there's very you know very few movies using you know all practical effects even even us we you know we do a little bit of cg and stuff here and there when you know again because you know on a budget and everything you know um sometimes that's you know the way to go unfortunately i don't know i feel like they're just they're classic stories and they're told in a classic way and they they you know they're dated a little but they never really lose their impact you know right so would you think then gonna twist your words do you think it's practical effects are missing from today's movies i think there's a there's a lot of opportunities where um practical effects would look 
would 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 come across better. Whether or not, again, like I said, I don't know how. I think that's just because, again, you know, that's what I grew up with. There wasn't, you know, back in the sort of eighties, you know, there wasn't really any CGI, you know. So you know, there's there's that kind of realistic element. You can, you know, nowadays you can really tell when something's computer computer generated, or most of the time you can. You know, sometimes you can't, and if it's done cleverly or if it's mixed with practical, you know, that's great. It, you know, it can work. It can people, you know, you can pull that kind of stuff off. Um, we've tried, you know, mixing the two, and it it's, it's kind of works to a degree. But um, yeah, I feel like a lot of the time it's because it's easier to add in post. It costs less money. It saves on the budget. And it's not necessarily a, the filmmakers' faults. It could be the studios, you know. I mean, the re the remake or the the uh, the, the prequel, um, the thing that we had several years back. <laughs> Don't um, mention the war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, you know, they, they there was a lot of practical work that was being done on that, and it got scrapped in in favor of CG. And it's a shame because yeah, I hear there's know, a practical the, version in a vault somewhere. That would be amazing. I know that uh, the director released a video, sort of at the at his the effect shop that they were using, showing off a lot of the stuff that they were working on and some of the unfinished bits and pieces. And I think everyone's opinion of that film would have been vastly different had they not taken the CGI route. And again, obviously, it's not the director's decision or even the producer's decisions. It's you know the studio thing. So whether it was done to save money or or what but you'd think it wouldn't make sense since a lot of that stuff's already been created and worked on you know so I, I don't know what happened there i can't speak for those guys but obviously like i think it was pennywise pound foolish they did all the practical spent the money then some exec said no i don't like it more cgi and they just doubled well, that, yeah again i mean they, they it could have taken one person to turn around and say actually yeah that's we don't like how that looks and then it's like well let's scrap it and do cgi and then everyone agrees and it's you know you hear, you hear stories about you know that kind of stuff or perhaps some stuff was test screened and people didn't but uh, who knows um but i do think it is something that that it's it's missing you know there are a lot of movies now a lot of independent films that are embracing that side of it the practical side of things and if, you know if you again even sort of some of the bigger FX studios, they're kind of noticing the pinch now that a lot of work is now going more digital than practical. And, you know, that films that would normally, you know, have a budget for that don't these days. And it's more all put into sort of the post-production side of it. And it's a bit of a shame because again, it's, there's something about practical effects that just, you know, it just looks great. It just, it's just the most realistic you're going to get isn't of course because it? it's real on the yeah. screen it's real lighting it's actual a physical object people can act to it there's that yeah. famous anecdote of sir ian mckellen breaking down on set of either the hobbit or lord of the rings and it was on a big green screen he's like i didn't become an actor for this <laughs> you know it's yeah. all in front of a green screen that's just not acting anymore yeah no exactly and he's got a point you know is i guess it's frustrating for them too you know so you know, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of money and everything. And we'll, we'll get onto the subject when we talk about Warehouse a little bit, I guess. But, you know... Uh... Of course, that's what I was kind of hinting at because <laughs> I don't want to spoil it yet because we're still yeah. talking a little bit about For Her because that was mostly practical, would I say? Did I, I, maybe some eyes were CGI? Or was that all natural? Are we talk, we talking about For Her? For Her, yeah. Um, There is more... Well, okay, so again, with 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 for her that we had some, um, the the shoot was good, you know, it was smooth. There were a few things that didn't go quite to plan. Um, two weeks before we shot, um, our makeup artist decided to quit, right, <laughs> um, and that left us with basically nobody. So I said, do you know what, screw it, I'm going to do it myself, and my fiance did a lot of the actual makeup as well so between me and her we did a fair bit of stuff but that stuff didn't look quite as good as it could have done on camera and so we had to do some bits and pieces there's little things that we we've had to sort of uh deal with in post before her um tiny little things but uh yeah 
you know, I mean, do you want me to go into specifics? Yeah, sure. Talk away. It's very interesting for me. Okay. Um, so we haven't put it out as a feature yet, but there is actually, we have actually got a little effects feature on the Blu-ray for For Her, but um, I don't know whether we'll, we may put that on YouTube or something at some point, but um, so let me think. We had, uh, um, I mean, it might help to kind of spoil the thing because I'm kind of talk, talking around it, but. Yeah, well, I suppose we did say that, like, skip the episode, watch the movies. Yeah, yeah. So, true, if, true. you're the you're the director, you're the creator. No, if, if you greenlight the spoiling, I don't mind. I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. Um, so with with for her, yeah, we did do um a little bit of uh practical and a bit of computer generated stuff on there. Um, it's li- it was a lot of little things. Um, some of it was digital lighting, so some of the scenes we didn't like quite as well as we could have um so we we did some stuff there just to kind of enhance the actual look of it a little bit um for anyone that's again hasn't seen it stop now and go watch it if you can <laughs> if not it's going to get sport for you but essentially like i said it's two-thirds of a romantic drama um it can it concerns a character called jonathan and his girlfriend elizabeth uh and elizabeth become elizabeth becomes very ill and it's about him dealing with the issues within the relationship and revolving around her illness anyway it turns out she's a vampire and uh we sort of we're led to believe he's going to go out and kind of cheat on her actually what he does is he lures um a young woman back home so that she can feed on him um and so yeah so there's the whole the whole kind of vampire aspect to it um there was some interesting stuff where we had the teeth were practical for the vampire side of things yeah um but we had some issues with them keep they kept falling out which is really quite annoying so we had all kinds of different things ways to fix them into katria's mouth and in the end we used a special putty that was the only thing for whatever reason it was the only thing that would actually get them to stick in her mouth right and unfortunately by the time we got the take we wanted and we were already sort of running behind schedule. She was sick uh, from the potty and it became reality. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And, but basically what happened was they'd moved in her mouth so much that the potty was visible. Right. So we had to digitally remove that. Okay. Um, Looks seamless anime from what I saw. Yeah. I mean, if you go in and kind of pixel people, you may see some telltale signs. But um, I think we did okay on that. Um, there was... Um, there is a moment where you see the teeth come out. Actually, that's that's CG, um, but it's quite subtle. It's very sort of cut together very quickly, so you don't really notice it. Um, so when we did the bite, which is I think the main thing we're going to get onto here, yeah, um, it was a prosthetic. It was all painted up and everything, but the problem is we didn't have the right colours to blend with the actress's skin tone. Right. So it looked cool. It was bloody and all that, but it just it just looked like something stuck on her neck. <laughs> it was really <laughs> obviously it really obviously wasn't part of her neck. Right. So we had this kind of sort of moment of ah, what do we do? You know, <laughs> how do we fix this? You know. So that's again another situation where it's part part practical, part of VFX. So it turned out to be also, a real bite. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could have gone that route, I guess. Um, but. Yeah, so also the fact we had some plastic tubing that we were going to sheet blood through as well, that all kind of fell apart as well. So everything kind of went wrong around that, the kind of the most important part of the actual film, like the the main, the moment of the twist sort of thing. So, um, But yeah, it all so... went quite quick, so it did look quite good. I know, obviously, behind the scenes, you always hear of these like two second shots, but they like made the props for like three weeks and stuff. But you did, yeah. you did a good job. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of kind of a, that. There's more time in post, I think, putting those shots together than there probably was actually putting the rest of it together. Right. Because uh, we, we knew that if it looked too rubbish, then people would just call us out on it. And I think that was the one thing I was mainly worried about when, especially when we actually released the film, was like, oh, please, nobody mention the bite. I hope it looks good enough. And then <laughs> turn around and say, what the hell was that? You know. Um, but we actually shot it at our writer's house as well, again, because of budgetary reasons. And um, 
you know, a, a lovely home he has there now. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, we we obviously had to be careful not to squirt blood everywhere. Even though I did squirt a bit of blood everywhere, um, <laughs> you know, but for like the bedroom scene where where you know Anne's bitten, you know, so we couldn't really use. We did try and use like a, a series of tubes and things, but nothing would just kind of stay put and it all kind of went a bit pear shaped and so we had to fix do a lot of that stuff in post and again that was a lot of fun and uh and then i think there's a few bits and pieces in the dismemberment scene uh where jonathan is in the bathtub trying to pack Anne up again please tell me if you <laughs> totally spoiler issue if you haven't sort of seen it already but um <laughs> you know there was we had that was an interesting thing because it wasn't scripted. Um, it was one the one thing that wasn't in the script. And about two or three weeks before we actually shot, I turned around to James and said, "Look, here's something. Here's something I want us to do. We'll shoot it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't have to be in the film." But I felt like we needed something to push the horror aspect a little bit further and push Jonathan's character to sort of into that really dark place, you know. And something that we could witness you know so him having to dispose of a, a young girl's body is you know it's a pretty messed up thing to have to do so obviously we didn't have the budget to have an actual dummy or a prosthetic version of uh natasha made so we kind of had to improvise a little bit and shoot it at a very clever angle and kind of splash a lot of blood everywhere but we did have like prosthetic fingers and we had teeth and we had bits of hair um and things like that so um but basically that was my cameraman daryl and me squished into the world's smallest bathroom with uh derek in the bathtub pretending to hack somebody up and me flicking blood in his face <laughs> um it was a lot of fun but there's a there are a few little bit of few blood squirts in there that weren't actually real ones because it was it wasn't showing up on camera quite as well as we wanted it to there's actually a bit where i got him straight in the eye i don't know if you noticed that but i, I got didn't him i didn't catch it watch it again it's hilarious but he, <laughs> it's completely unexpected i'm flicking blood at him and i actually get it right in his eye um and so i thought it'd be kind of cool because you don't actually see me the blood hit his eye so we kind of put in a cg little spray that goes into his eyeball right. <laughs> we thought that'd just be fun um but yeah, there's loads of little tiny things we did in there. It's not all that interesting, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. But just going back to the actual story aspect then, again, a few questions I have. I am yeah. the voice of the listeners and the watchers. Did he know from a very early onset that she was a vampire or was that his first kill or was it just actually unveiling that uh, uh, he was a killer? no no he he knew he knew all along um so basically obviously when you see part way into their relationship i think we it does it's not discussed in the film and it's not really revealed but um i think they're probably about a year or so into their relationship but he already knows full well that's the what she is um there's that telltale line when they've just uh done the business and she's on the bed and she's saying um i think i want to try blonde next um, right, and right. That, that seems like a line that's just a throwaway line but really he knows exactly what that means he knows that she wants to eat a blonde girl <laughs> you know he's, that's the, she's gearing up for her next meal you know right. and, so and he's little he, easter egg yeah yeah and if if you sort of look at his reaction to that he he kind of you know it's yeah he sort of turns around and sort of has this look and says you know whatever you want you know kind of thing um but yeah it's um it's a pretty messed up relationship they have yeah exactly and then would you have modeled him then after I would say the likes of renfield was he a sort of a vampire's what's even the phrase it's not like a concubine nearly is actually yeah, I know what you mean. Um, sort of, in a way. I mean, she's very manipulative and she has her way, she has her power over him uh, to a degree. Um, it's funny you should sort of mention that. I mean, we, we took a lot of inspiration from other vampire films and novels, etc. Jonathan's character is actually named after Jonathan Harker. Um, Anne is named after Anne Rice. Right. And Elizabeth's named after Elizabeth Bathory. So, 
you know, we've got little nods to other stuff in there, you know, bits and pieces and stuff that we sort of peppered in there, whether people pick up on it or not, we don't know. It's just, but there's, we, we did do quite a lot of, uh, sort of sneaked a few little bits and pieces in there to kind of see whether or not, um, people picked up on it. There's a line, I think once, uh, Elizabeth's characters fed, um, and she says, God, I love you to, um, Jonathan. And that was a line straight out of misery. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> again, borrowing from other horror films and, and bits and pieces as well, you know, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, we, we kind of wanted that sort of that dynamic that she had, that she had that power over him, you know, at the end of the day it is a love story and they do, they, I do fully believe that like they were in love and that, that he, she felt love for him and vice versa. Well, he obviously did because he wouldn't have done the things he did, but she obviously has this sort of way of, you know, getting him to do her bidding, you know. Of course. Um, yeah. And were you ever worried then making the film? Because obviously there's lots of horror stories, there's lots of vampire stories. Putting your own personal stamp on it, were you ever afraid that you were just retreading ground even accidentally? Or was it just something that you wanted to make in general that you just wanted to make a vampire movie whether it be cliche or not yeah well i think we were trying our hardest to sort of steer away from a lot of what what would come before it was tricky though because obviously well there's a few worries there because it's uh you know you've got that that whole issue of the kind of romantic drama with vampires you know you've got your twilights and you know you've got your vampire diaries and your true bloods and all that kind of stuff we were kind of worried that it was kind of you we it would feel like it was going that route obviously once the horror element kicks in and we show that we're not messing around you know um and that it's quite a dark story that that kind of hopefully with all of that would kind of be put to the back of people's minds no it was um, quite good yeah but then i think also yeah like you say it's it is, it is tricky. I mean, you know, we we have kind of our own spin on the vampire um, mythology, really, because there's there's this. I mean, the opening scene, it's you know, it's daylight and she's fine, you know. And the, our kind of way of telling the vampire story was that, you know, if she hasn't fed for a very while, that a long time, that's that's when her vampiric traits and that come into play. You know, she starts becoming weak and sunlight affects her and all that kind of stuff. So all the kind of typical vampire stuff, you know, that only happens when she's not fed for a while. When she's fed, she's like a, a normal sort of human being and can walk around in the daylight and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So that's that's kind of our little twist on it. Yeah, no, I was noticing that because I don't know, are you a man who plays video games, but it reminded me of the vampires in the game The Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion. And I played it a long time ago, and you can become a vampire in that game. And after a while, if you don't feed at night, which I didn't realize because I didn't really read the game when I was a young fella playing that, and I couldn't go out in the daylight and I was fucked, and I, every save file, I was just getting killed by the sun. But every, <laughs> every time you went back and you actually killed an innocent person, you'd, you know, you'd go back into a more human form. Was that any inspiration, or is that a common um... vampire trait? I'm not too sure. <laughs> I don't. No, to be honest, I don't think it. I mean, if it was, it was all James's thing. So again, he came up with a lot of stuff. Um, but I don't think we. Again, we we knew that going into doing something like vampires, you've got to be careful not to tread the same ground. And we knew we were very aware of what we were doing and trying to take, you know, do our own spin on it and make it more of our own sort of thing if we could. Um, and you know, to be fair, it's you know the whole point is that for the first two thirds of the film you don't know yeah of course. You may, maybe yeah. you have an inkling but so it's not like the vampire stuff's really thrown in your face at all you know um it was kind of just treating the first two thirds like a, literally like a romantic drama yeah no which, i was waiting for the punch because I, I knew it was a horror movie but i was like yeah where's, where's it, it going now? what's going to be the twist yeah, because romantic drama is not exactly our forte, you know, so that was interesting as well, shooting a lot of dialogue and a lot of, you know, dramatic stuff and, you know, yeah, that was, that was, that was different. It's, it, well, I wouldn't say it was challenging, mm. but um, it was, it was funny because obviously like we spent 
three days shooting all that stuff and it was the last day that was all the twist and all the good stuff and i was just waiting to get to that last day so that i could just throw blood everywhere and <laughs> just be really over the top yeah. um you know but um yeah you know i think it's that I'm, i mean i'm hoping that isn't you know that it is different enough that people i mean with all the feedback we've had on it so far it's been great you know um and I don't know if on um, again is this is totally spoiler territory. I don't know if you kind of figured out the ending because some people had trouble with it. Um, but again, it, it so essentially what happens at the end, he's but disposed of a body and he's kind of it's affected him. You know he's you know he's he's kind of not he's he's losing grip on you know his sanity etc. And as he's sat on the end of the bed the blue lights start flashing outside and the police come to the door. Yeah, I assumed uh, that she blew the whistle on him kind of thing, so she could go on to the next crowd. Well, that could, that could be, a, again, it could be a, a potential, you know, again, we've left it open a little bit in some ways, because some people have turned and said, well, did she exist at all? Was it all in his head, you know? Yeah. That kind of stuff. So there is that interpretation too, but essentially, no, I think what's happened is he's you know not been as careful as he could have been and some there's some piece of evidence that's kind of led them to him and you know that that he's he's going to go down for it now but the whole point of the voiceover um when we wrote it was that it's his kind of confession it's him telling the story he's already in custody he's already you know right yeah explaining it you know so it's that's why the kind of film starts with the the line um before we get started let me tell you what i know about love so it's um yeah so we kind of knew going in with the voiceover etc and everything that we were telling this kind of bigger story than we were letting on yeah um and that hopefully again maybe not everybody picked up on it maybe some people did but yeah um we thought we were being clever i don't know <laughs> yeah because i thought while watching it the very initial first scene where there was a girl sitting outside kind of looking down on her look then the girlfriend came in Mm. I thought that that person was going to actually play some sort of role, given that there was very sparse amount of characters in the yeah. movie. Well, that was a little nod to run because it's uh, it's the same the same actress playing. It's the same part. actress. Oh my god! And, was, and, and um, we basically we we didn't credit her as Suzanne, which is the character for Ron, but essentially that was that was kind of our little nod. But the, that that scene serves a few purposes. At the beginning of the film, he's sat in his car and he's waiting for her to show up and that, and and so he can drive her home, etc. And there's this homeless girl sat there, and we wanted that to kind of symbolise different things. Again, it depends on whether you've seen the film the first time around, you know, or whether it's your second or third viewing of it. There's kind of one interpretation that he's looking at her envious that you know she doesn't have to rely on any anybody she's not you know she's her own person um there's the other side of it where we i guess the first time you're watching it he's perhaps looking at her and thinking oh you know she's all right looking sort of thing you know yeah, like yeah. we wanted to plant the idea in the audience's head that he was potentially had the, he had the potential to cheat on his girlfriend mm. and then once you've seen it so potentially the second or third time around, if you've watched it again that many times, you'll perhaps think, well, actually, is he looking at her as a potential next target? Because would anyone miss her if she disappeared? Kind of thing. She's homeless. Yeah, yeah. That kind of. So there's lots of little bits going on there. But I guess the first time you watch it, you probably think, what the hell is that all about? <laughs> right. Well, given now that you've told me it's now a shared universe, you're building a universe, you're going to... We're going to get on to the main event here, Warehouse. So you're going to complete the trilogy, which is Run For Her to the Warehouse, is what I'm calling it here. Right. <laughs> well, actually, they are, yeah. well, they are actually linked a little bit, actually. Ooh. Um, in, in the fact that... In then you Run, are making them. <laughs> we're making them, yeah. There's that too. Um, in Run, when when Suzanne is running through the woods, at one point, there is, there's lots of other noises going on. Um and as well as the demon sound that's chasing her, there's actually a werewolf sound. Okay, um, I didn't catch that either. No, Mustn't have been paying attention again. too much. I no, need to watch again, them again. It's not easy to pick out, but 
um we we literally ripped the we literally ripped the werewolf sound from american werewolf in london and put it in Ooh, our film. you don't want a copyright strike now Matthew. you need to keep that <laughs> under your think, cap <laughs> i think i think we're okay i think we're okay on that i don't think we'll get cj but um so yeah there's there's a werewolf sound on, on, on that and in for her at, right at the beginning again that same scene we were just discussing um where jonathan's waiting in the car that was a warehouse wasn't it that is the warehouse we're going to use and if you notice there's three scratches on the side of the <gasps> door oh my god i was yeah. right it is a trilogy it is to a degree yeah yeah excellent <laughs> well i'll leave the floor to you now you okay. haven't warehouse ready yet it's actually you're doing a bit of pre-graft with that you're trying to raise funds but why should people support it? Give us the give us the pitch, the elevator pitch. Okay, well, here's the thing. I'm not going to turn around and say you have to support it because I'm not going to tell anyone they have to do anything. No, they, they have to know. You've gone to their head. You but, need uh, the money. You're making the well, best we, movie ever. You have well, to sell there it. is that. There is that. Um, yeah, you know, to be fair, we we you know, warehouse is something that came about uh, again in post production on for her. The title came to us first. And then it was one of those things, well, that's quite a cool title. Surely somebody's done it. And so we looked into it and apparently nobody had. So at least we couldn't find anything. And so we said, well, yeah, we want to do a werewolf movie somewhere down the line. So why not do it now? We've really got a title for it. But so, yeah, Warehouse, we're trying to uh, fund this short film on Kickstarter. It is a short black and white werewolf film with a slight difference in that it's black and white but we are doing some special kind of motion tracking rotoscoping technique so that we can isolate the color red so any blood gore anything like items of significance a little bit like sin city a little bit like that yes i mean we were worried about going that route in case we pushed it to comic booky but i think we'll be okay with it um so it's going to have that kind of interesting sort of visual style to it um and basically yeah we, we are trying to fund it through kickstarter at the moment uh we are currently just under 25 percent funded and we've got about 25 days to go at the time of recording this at the I'm time that this will come out i can tell you is going to be the 22nd of march so how many days right. left do we have then not many <laughs> so it will not be a big push we're going to hope that it will be 50 percent, if not 75 percent by then that would be amazing. Um, yeah, it finishes on the 1st of April, I can tell you that much. Um, but yeah, we're looking at raising about £4,500, which is quite a lot of money. It does sound like a lot of money, but films do cost a lot of money. And the sort of scope, that the thing we're going for here, um, it isn't going to be cheap. It's one of those things where we can't cheap out on the werewolf. We've got one of the biggest effects companies in the UK working on that right now. And, you know, we have to cover all the costs of that. Um, so that's one thing we didn't want to sort of cheap out on. So um, it is like it sounds. I mean, this the story is uh, about three university students who are at a um, they're at a protest, uh, animal rights protest, and it turns violent and it turns into a riot, and they have to escape. One of them gets injured, um, and they essentially find themselves with nowhere to go other than this warehouse. So figuring that they're safe, they go into the warehouse, but unfortunately there's something else lurking in there. Have a guess. <laughs> it's a werewolf. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's, that's kind of what the vibe we're going for. We're think we're, we're kind of pitching it as green room meets the howling, um, which is a very strange little combination, but that's kind of what we're going for. Um, we're big fans, or I especially big fans of kind of films where, ordinary people are thrown into an extraordinary situation and they have to kind of you know do things that they didn't think were they were capable of to kind of survive and that kind of stuff so um and even obviously their beliefs are going to be challenged a little bit because they're animal rights activists so you know that kind of stuff so yeah it's i, I could i could i don't want to talk too much about it and give too much away there's still a lot of great stuff that we you know that we haven't sort of mentioned but uh, it is going to be it's going to be really cool. It's going to be roughly about 15 minutes long. Um, we, we're kind of trying to strip ourselves to that if we can do it. Um, but yeah, it's going to be quite action packed. Um, 
and by that I mean we've got explosions and things. Um, we've got lots of blood and gore, and we've got a scary as hell werewolf. Werewolf, and um, yeah, hopefully it's um, yeah. We're, we're planning on shooting this at the end of April, during a full moon, because that'll help. Um, and that's uh, obviously that's only if we can actually raise the the, the money to make it. So. Um, yeah, so at the moment, if you head over to Kickstarter, uh, search for Werewolf, which is where, sorry, Warehouse, which is uh, where as in Werewolf and House as in House, um, you know, you should find this on there. Um, otherwise, I think if you head to tinyurl.com forward slash Warehouse KS, that should come up with our Kickstarter. Oh, great. Yeah, because this is actually the second time now this has happened recently. I was on Twitter and I see a fantastic looking poster mm. and then I get the people involved on and we talk about it. Who made that unbelievable poster? That's really okay, caught so, my eye. Yeah, so we we knew going into this one that we, we, we tried, I mean, we failed at crowdfunding uh, our last two films. So for her, we didn't actually make the money that we needed to make it. We re- We ended up making it for half of what it should have cost. So we really had to sort of, sort of, you know, peel back the budget a lot and lose a lot of things and stuff. But we still managed to make something that we're really proud of. With this, it's designed in such a way that we can't do that, and I don't think we'd want to. Um, so we were very sort of, we wanted to hit the ground running with it. We wanted to put our best foot forward, and we knew that if we had a really good poster, a really striking image. Um, you know that we we would hopefully grab people's attention um and so uh joe burn a really good friend of ours who's basically part of our team really um we set him the task of making the the poster and obviously we were still writing the script at the time so we couldn't really say give him too much more details we just said look you know it's called warehouse i don't know we'll work on some concepts and stuff and you know, he he sent me about four or five different concepts for it, and I said, I love them all, but I want to take this, this, and this, and sort of I put together a little mock-up thing of like bits and pieces of each poster, and it looked awful, but I said, if you can do something like that, that would be cool, and yeah, he went away and, and produced like the best poster I've seen for a long time, and um, he's really talented, super talented guy, and yeah, it's it's just crazy, like. And the amount of feedback we've got on that post though is just unreal. Yeah, no, here you are now talking about it because <laughs> yeah, I exactly. saw it. No, yeah. it is really good. Uh, just for those, this is an audio podcast, so for those who can't picture it, it's sort of like the E is highlighted as if it's nearly a scratch. Yeah, it's quite cool. Very yeah, I cool. think um, if you can imagine the poster for Fright Night something like that and there's kind of like a warehouse at the bottom yeah and the kind of clouds in the sky all kind of like merging into the shape of a werewolf you're kind of halfway there but yeah and if you head over to the kickstarter page you'll you'll see it there in all its glory um but joe also did the poster for for her as well so mm. um and again we we had somebody on board to do the poster and they kind of just kept we kept delaying things because we didn't have this poster and yeah. he put us behind schedule, so we just said, "Look, Joe, can you can you help us out? Can you can you do a place?" And again, I still really I, I think the place of a forehead is great. So, um, you know, he did a bang up job on that. But I think he's really outdone himself on on this one. So, mm. um, but yeah, we were hoping that kind of the title, the poster, and the concept, you know, that's that was kind of going to sell, you know, the film to people, and that you know that would be. That would really aid the Kickstarter because the problem we had previously before her was because it was so reliant on the twist, we couldn't actually pitch it to people in a way that yeah. made sense. So it was a really difficult film to sell to people, which is probably why we weren't actually able to fund it. We we wanted uh, £2,800 to fund it and we made £900. By the time all the fees and stuff were taken, we only had about £800. Yeah. So we actually shot it on a budget of eight hundred, and right. then raised the rest for pre-production, the post-production. Yeah, because um, later with a name like Warehouse, obviously, it's like this is what it is. Like, yeah, you we, kind of have an, an idea. Yeah, you you kind of sum up an idea of what it what it could be in your head, and it's something that we we can. It's a you know we don't have to sort of 
beat around the bush about what it is. We can tell you exactly what it is, kind of thing. And obviously, you can't tell you too like twists and turns, but you know, we can we can talk a lot more about this one. And you know, although it does kind of sound a bit like some of those crazy sort of uh, asylum films like Sharknado, you know, you mash yeah, up the yeah. words together. It's not like that. <laughs> it's not like, you know... It's not a warehouse that turned into a werewolf. Yeah, it's nothing <laughs> ridiculous like that. It, it, yeah, exactly. So it is a serious film and does have quite a dark tone and you might be kind of surprised at how messed up it, it gets. Great. Um, yeah. So just, just actually on the topic then of crowdfunding, if Push came to shove and you only made... 500 pounds instead of the 5,000 is there the 500 pound version or are you just not going to go ahead with it well we're already at a thousand nearly 1100 pounds so there's that but um no this is an all or nothing campaign we did you know the last two films with ryan and for her we did the flexible flexible funding model of crowdfunding which basically meant we got whatever we got and we had to make it on that um there's just no room for budge on this at all there's no the budget is what it is. If we don't make it, we don't make it. It doesn't mean we give up on it. It means that we go back to the drawing board and we've already discussed that if, you know, for whatever reason, if we don't hit our target and if we don't get the money, that we'll launch a second, another campaign towards the end of the year and hopefully get it funded and shoot it next year. Um, it'd be great to not have to do that and actually, you know, get to film it when we want to, um, because we've got some amazingly talented people on board for this one and it'd be a shame to keep them waiting on it as well. But, um, you know, we are, again, we're really determined. We kind of, we always find a way, but, you know, like I say on this, there's not the, the financial side of it, the budget, the actual cost of the actual production, it really, there's no wiggle room on that. It, you know, we can't make it for less. It's just not possible. Um, and a lot of that comes down to the fact that, yeah, we've got, you know, a, a professional FX company on board, which wasn't easy to get them to agree to. So, you know, I think we, they, I think again, it's the concept that won them over, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm really looking forward to it. I hope it does hit its goal at the end of the day, because this is why I have you on. I want you to spread the good word of warehouse and even put this episode on the Kickstarter campaign when it's out. Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. <laughs> boost something no, I mean, anyway. Thank, yeah, thank you for giving us the opportunity to talk about it. But yeah, it's um, you know, it's a lot of money. It's four thousand five hundred pounds. We've got till the first of uh, April to make that money, and even then, it's still like it's still cutting things quite fine because, you know, by the time that money's cleared, you know, it's going to be the middle of April, and we're going to shoot right at the end of April. So it's like not a lot of time to get stuff done but it's yeah it, we want to we just want to get it made and you know we, get, we we've got some amazing ideas for this and you know we're constantly evolving our script you know to make it better and you know it's it's going to be a really cool if anyone out there is listening and um, you know you guys are i'm presuming you guys are horror fans because you're listening to the show if you like horror films if you like werewolf films, even just five it's, pounds each text well, now it. to troca well, are concerned <laughs> <laughs> i mean like you know if this is the sort of film you're gonna go you guys are gonna want to get involved with and we've got some really cool rewards and stuff on offer you know as i say like the pledges start from as little as a pound you can give whatever you want really but you know we've got some great stuff on offer we've got you know physical copies digital copies you can get your name the credits uh if you own a business you can get your business logo in the actual film somewhere um you know you name it we've got it imdb credits executive producers co-producer credits um yeah just about anything you can think of really we've got t-shirts we've got you know all kinds of stuff and there's some great stretch goals as well but again until we hit our target that's you know can't really talk about those <laughs> exactly well i think that's nearly a good place to start wrapping up now i think we've said it all we can say without spoiling the movie ahead but daniel thank you very much for coming on it was a pleasure talking to you it was really eye-opening and i shed a little bit more light on the two already fantastic films that you have out and i'm really looking forward to warehouse and i'm sure it's going to be a success on kickstarter by the time this episode rolls around well thank you very much thank you for having me on and i hope you're right yeah <laughs> excellent and daniel if people want to find you online yourself and also the project i'll have it all in the show notes but if you yourself would like to give your one last plug, what would you like to say to the world? Where can they find you? Okay, well, um, 
you can find me on Twitter at, at Daniel M Young, all one word. Um, we also have a uh, our production company, Viral Films UK, at Viral Films UK. Uh, we're also on Instagram under those same uh, usernames. Um, yeah, and if you guys, you know, you want to help us out, help us make this awesome werewolf film, head over to Kickstarter. Just search for Warehouse. It's where is in werewolf, so W E R E house. Um, and you should find it pretty much straight away. I don't think there's too many projects on there with that title. So, um, and just check out all the cool stuff we've got on offer. And and you know, every 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 pound helps. You know. Great. Well, Daniel, thanks once again for coming on. Pleasure talking with you. And I hope you enjoy what's left of your evening. And we'll talk again soon. No worries. Thank you very much for having me on again. And that, everyone, was my chat with Mr. Young. It was very insightful. I think we spoiled all his movies, but they are absolutely fantastic. And you need to, once again, go look at that Kickstarter. All the notes will be down in the description. And check those out. And with me, as always, I am at the Fear Merchant at everything.com, at gmail.com, SoundCloud. This new Vero thing isn't really working out. Twitter, you name it, Instagram, Facebook, I'm there. So until next time, while I recover from a week over in Oxford, I'm recording this once again in a hotel room, <laughs> trying to get it out on time for you eager listeners. But until next time, be safe, be merry, and I'll speak to you in two weeks' time. <laughs>